take your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 27. And some of y'all is going to be glad you got your shout out. Matthew chapter 27. Let's start with, uh, let's start with verse, let's see where we want to start. Let's start with verse 21. We'll explain it in a moment. Go with verse 21. We'll go down through 31, okay? The governor answered and said unto them, Whether of the twain will you that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas. And Pilate said unto them, Watch this question. What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? What shall I do with Jesus, which is called Christ? And they all say unto him, let him be crucified. The governor said, why? What evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See you to it. Then answered all the people and said, his blood be on us. And on our children, and the Jews have had trouble ever since. Then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered him into the whole band of soldiers. They stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had platted the crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail! king of the Jews. And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after that, they had mocked him. They took the robe off of him, put on his own garment on him, and led him away to crucify him. That's some pretty heavy scripture, isn't it? That's some heavy stuff. Crucifixion Eve. Jesus in Gethsemane praying and some strange things started to happen. First, he's down praying, and his sweat turns to drops of blood. Think about this. The man's sweat just turns to blood, and blood's coming out of his forehead and dropping off as he's praying, and he's in agony, and he's praying, and, and, and sweat's dropping off, but it's blood. And he says, come on, guys, let's go. I've been delivered into the hands of the Gentiles. Let's go back. And immediately, Judas arrives with 600 temple guards. And they say, Jesus says, whom seek you? And they say, Jesus of Nazareth. And the King James says, Jesus said, I am, I am he. But in the original text, Jesus just said, I am. And, 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 and when Jesus said, I am, 600 Roman soldiers, begin, the, the Greek brings it out, they all begin to shake. And 600 of them fell backwards, flat on their back. Just because he released those words, I am. Then Peter takes a sword and chops off one of the servant's ears. And Jesus reached down on the ground, picked it up, and just stuck it back on his head. Like nothing had happened. And then a strange thing in that story is as they start to lead Jesus back out of the garden, we see there's a naked, boy, a naked young man 
wrapped in a linen cloth. And this naked young man wrapped in a linen cloth is following Jesus. And, and the soldiers see that he's following them. And they think, what in the world is this naked boy doing following him? And they reach up to grab him. They got a hold of his linen robe. And he runs out of it, leaves the, the linen robe with them, and he, he runs off naked. And you have to ask, who in the world, who is, what's a naked boy doing in this story wrapped in a linen cloth? What is he doing in it? Who, who is this? And uh, the, the, the clue for that is the Greek word for linen cloth is only used twice in the New Testament. It's used at what this boy's wrapped in, and it's used for what they wrapped Jesus in when they buried him. So my thoughts are, this young man had been buried that day, probably, wrapped in a linen grave cloth and was laid in a tomb. And when Jesus said to the soldiers, I am, and that force, that force was released, it blew past that boy's grave and he resurrected and got up. And he's following Jesus because he wants to see who resurrected him. Lord God Almighty. <laughs> Think about that kind of power. Think about that kind of power. And so then we pick up the story. They take Jesus by the high priest's house. And then they take him on over to Pilate's house, the governor's house. We pick up the story here where he's saying, whom should I release? He, he didn't want to kill Jesus. He didn't want to crucify him. He seen him as an innocent man. And so they had a custom Every year at this time, they would release one, one criminal they would release to let him go free. And so Pilate brings out Barabbas, who was a murderer, a rapist, a thief. And he brings him out thinking that he's so vile that they cer certainly won't release him and kill Jesus. He brings him out, and those Jews are so demon-possessed that they say, Give us Barabbas, let us have Barabbas, and crucify Jesus. And so the scene is set, and he starts to be crucified. And Pilate asks that question, what shall I do with Jesus? What am I going to do with Jesus? In the middle of this story, he asks the question of the ages, what am I going to do with Jesus? Washed his hands and said, I'm free from this man's blood. It's not that easy. You have to ask yourself that same question. What am I going to do with Jesus? What am I going to do with Jesus? See, there's a, there's a, there's a, in life, you're going to answer a lot of questions. A lot of important questions you're going to have to deal with. For instance, what's your occupation going to be? Who's your spouse going to be? That's an important one. Uh, where are you going to live? Here's an important one. Where are you going to go to church? But everybody's going to answer this question. Every person that's ever lived is going to answer this question. What am I going to do with Jesus? It's the greatest question in your life that you'll have to deal with. What am I going to do with Jesus? And how you answer it determines how you spend your eternal destiny. You can't ignore this question. Some things in life you can ignore and they'll go away. But it's like if you step up on your front porch and there's a six-foot rattlesnake there, you ain't going to ignore him. You're going to deal with it. And so this is the same thing with Jesus because his action 
requires reaction from you. Someone that's demonstrated such love and such a willingness to redeem your soul, it requires that you answer, what are you going to do with this Jesus? It's not a question that you can delay because not answering him is saying no. If you're here today and you're trying to delay it, you're saying no. In the book of Acts, we see Agrippa. And Paul is reasoning with him. And Agrippa was faced with the question, what am I going to do with Jesus and his spirit? And he, he says to Paul, he says, Paul, almost you persuaded me to be a Christian. Almost is still lost. If you almost thinking you're going to get saved, you're still lost. Then he goes to Felix, and, Paul, and Paul's reasoning with Felix. And you know what Felix said? The Bible says Felix trembled under conviction. And Felix said, come back to me, Paul, when I've got a more convenient season. See, it'll never be convenient. That's a lie of the devil to tell you, do it again when it's easier. It'll be easier when it's more convenient. Uh, many people are like those guys today, you know. Uh, I'm almost there. Uh, it's just, just, just not the right time. When it's the right time, I'll do it. Listen, nobody in their right mind says that I'm purposing that I want to die and go to hell. Nobody here would say, it's my purpose to go to hell. But in your mind, you're putting it off well, when, when it's the right time. When it's more convenient, it just, you know, just, just let me get there in my mind. Let me, let me get this thing worked out. No, you're wrestling with the question of the ages, and you need to answer it. Pilate washed his hands trying to rid himself of Jesus' blood, but it's not that simple. I, I'm going to tell you something. Isaiah says that it wasn't only Pilate that had blood on his hands, but you and I are bloody too. Because it says in Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 4 says, Surely he had borne our griefs. Carried our sorrows. We did esteem him stricken and smitten of God. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. It was your sin. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Let me tell you something. It, 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 Jesus didn't die for his sin. He didn't have any sin. It was your sin and my sin that put him on the cross. He died and shed his blood for me and you. And we got blood all over us because we're guilty for putting him on the cross. We put him on the cross. We're guilty. We put him on the cross. He was the lamb that carried away the sins of the world. If you go back over into Matthew chapter 27, go back over there with me. I want you to look at something. It says in verse uh, 26, it says, Then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus... He delivered him to be crucified when he had scourged Jesus. Let me tell you what a scourging was. It wasn't a pretty sight. A scourging was a, a, a handle, and it had 12 leather stripes, straps on it, 12, like a whip, 12 leather whips, I'll say. And in each one of those whip strands, it had pieces of bone, pieces of metal, sharp rocks, whatever they could get that would cut the skin. And they would take the criminal and they would strip him, strip him naked and, and tie him between two posts. Strip him like this and tie him between two posts. A Roman soldier on this side and a Roman soldier on that side. Each one has a whip with 12 strands on it. 
full of rocks and, and uh, metal and, and things. And, and, and so the two soldiers, one on each side, they start to lay blows to his back and around to his sides and across his face. And they're beating him and they're beating him. And, and, and they had perfected it. They could fillet a man. They could fillet him down to where they, they would take the skin off of him. And, and, then, and then after they'd take the skin off, they'd work on the muscles up under the skin. And they'd pull the muscles off a piece at a time. They'd pull the muscles off and pull it off. And then when they got that done, they'd work on the organs. And, and, and the historians say that, that uh, when a man was scourged by the Romans, that before it was over with, you could see his eternal organs. You could see his, his kidney and his liver. And you could see his inner workings. See, it was 39 strikes, but it was... 39 stripes times 12. So it was actually 468 stripes that they beat him with. And the Romans had perfected this thing. They knew how to beat a man to just before his death, but leave him alive long enough to, to enjoy the pain. And they beat him, beat him, and they beat him, and they beat him, and they beat him. And they filleted him. And it, it was horrible. Then if you look in verse 27, it says they took him to the hall, a 600 men, and they stripped him off his robe, and they put on another robe, and they make fun of him, they flap the thorns on him, they spit on his face, they pluck his beard, they hit him on the head with the, on the crown of thorns with a, with a rod, just inflicting as much pain as they can. I want you to see what Isaiah, Isaiah prophesied some of this. In Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 6, I want you to see what Isaiah said. Go with there to verse 6 of Isaiah 50. This is Jesus talking, but Isaiah prophesied it many years before Jesus was here. And it says, I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. And I hid not my face from shame and spitting. That's Jesus talking. That's his thought. And then if you go to Isaiah 52, go to Isaiah 52 and look at verse 14. It says, this is talking about Jesus. As many were astonished. The Hebrew word there, they were numb. They looked at something and it was so horrible they became numb with it. As many were astonished at his visage, at the way he looked. His visage was so marred, more than any man. Did you hear that? His visage was so marred, more than any man. He was beat Worse and messed up more than anybody had ever been beaten or, 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 or abused. His visage was marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. Jesus took a beating for you and I. It was a horrible sight. It wasn't like you see in these Hollywood movies, most of them. I know there was one that came out recently that was pretty close, but most of them you see a, a, a Jesus that looks like a playboy. He looks like he's a European playboy. <laughs> Jesus wasn't European, but uh, and he's pretty, and they, and they whip him a little bit, and they hang him up on a cross, and, you know, it don't look so bad. It wasn't that way. He was beat. He was a bloody pork. And like Pilate, you and I have to deal with the question, 
what will I do with Jesus? See, Pilate didn't want to see it. Pilate didn't want any part of it. But let me tell you something. You need to look at him today. You need to ask yourself a question. Am I doing right by Jesus? Because here's the deal. If you don't look at him today, you'll get to look at him later. Yes, you will. And I'm not going to preach long today. And we're just going to pray. But I want, I, want, I want to read you a scripture right here. Listen to this scripture. If, if you don't look at him today and, and get things right with him today, there's coming a time in the future that the Bible calls it the great white throne judgment. And everybody will stand before God. And uh, in Revelation chapter 20, I want you to look. Revelation chapter 20. To begin with, verse 10 should be one of our favorite scriptures. Because it says, and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. Somebody give God praise for that. There's coming a day when he'll be cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. The devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. Where the beast and the false prophet are. Watch this. And he, the devil, shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Let me tell you something. He's going to get his before it's over with. And he's going to be tormented forever and ever and ever. No wonder he's mad at you. Because you're going to heaven. You're going to live in the joys of the Lord forever and ever. But the devil's going to be tormented forever and ever. Tommy, I just saw you. It's good to have you back today. Glad you're healing. Glad you're healing. Watch this now. Go on down to verse 11. He says, And I saw a great white throne. And him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. Don't sound like this is nobody you want to mess with, does it? The whole earth and the heavens fled away from his face. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. What about that? Everything you've ever done. As a matter of fact, every thought you've ever thought, you're going to get the answer for it. It says, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. Death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Friend, there's one thing that you have to, you must take care of. And that is to know that your name is in the book of life. If you don't know that today, then you're playing with an eternity that you don't even want to think about. If you're playing with that today, well, how do I know, Brother Steve? Because the Bible says his spirit will bear witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. Let me tell you something. If you have to question it, and you're not saved. Because if you are saved, his spirit bears witness with your spirit. You know you're saved. Now, you might not be perfect, but you know you're saved. 
But if you're having to question whether or not my name's in the Lamb's Book of Life, then it's probably not. And you're probably in trouble eternally right now. Uh, and that's not anything that we take pleasure in saying. What, what, what's to do? What we're going to do? What we're going to do? The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Watch this now. You, 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 you say, well, I just need to wait for a convenient. I, I got some things in my life I need to take care of. I need to wait for a convenient season. I need, to, I, need to, I need to take care of this and take care of that. Let me tell you, you are not promised that you've got tomorrow to take care of it. You don't know. You don't know you've got this afternoon. Agrippa today is walking up and down the corridors of hell, wringing his hands, going, if, Almost, I was almost persuaded. Felix is saying, if I just had a convenient season, I just couldn't find a convenient season, and here I am. Listen, your Bible tells plainly that you cannot come to God except the Spirit of God draws you. Don't tell yourself, well, I'm, I'll get saved at a certain time in my life, or I'll get saved, you know, whenever. No, you, you, don't, you don't know. You, you, you don't pick the time you're going to get saved. You can't come to God except the Spirit of God draws you. you. You got to come when the Spirit of God's dealing with you. And then here's the scary thing. In the book of Genesis, the Bible says that his spirit will not always strive with a man. So you can get to a place to where he's not even dealing with you. You know, when Israel was going through taking, taking nations, I'm trying to think of which nation it was. But one nation, God said, said, leave them alone. Don't, don't, don't conquer them right yet. And, the, and this is what he said. He said, because their cup is not yet full. Their cup is not yet full. And what he meant was, uh, if you study that thing out in the Hebrew, every sin, every sin, the way they was keeping the record was, every sin they would put another rock in, in a cup, put another rock in the cup. And their cup wasn't full. God's loving God's patient, God's full of mercy, his mercies are renewed every day, but there comes a place when that cup gets full that he's through. I said, you can get to the place with God that he's through. That's another sermon and another teaching, and, and maybe I shouldn't be going there today without clarifying all of it, but uh, you can get to that place. Listen, here's what your Bible says. First Peter chapter 4. Look at it. First Peter chapter 4 and verse 17. Here's what your Bible says. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? That's a scary thing for God to say, I'm going to judge and I'm going to start with the church. Did you hear what I said? He's going to start with the church. Uh, God help us. Because there's a lot of stuff in the church that, Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 6. Now, let's see. Go to uh, verse 4. I'm going to leave this scripture with you. 
I'm not even going to try to explain it right now. I'm just going to leave it with you, and I want you to ponder on it and think about it. But Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 4 says, It is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost. I'd say that's somebody that's saved, wouldn't you? It's impossible. And they have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. If they shall fall away, what's it impossible to do? To renew them again under repentance. Seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. Now watch this. For the earth which drinketh in the rain cometh down often upon it, bringeth forth herbs and meat for them by whom it is dressed and receiveth blessing from God. The rain, that latter rain, we're talking about the Spirit of God. Then he says here, But beloved, we're persuaded better things of you, things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. He's not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. Go back up to verse 8. I skipped over verse 8. That's where I went to be. It says, verse 7, that the rain comes. Verse 8 says, with that which beareth thorns and briars. Blessing comes. The rain comes. With thorns and briars is the curse. That which bears the curse. A person that is to live in, under the curse in their life. Watch this. That which beareth thorns and briars is rejected and is nigh unto cursing. Watch now. Whose end is to be burned. God said, My spirit not always strive with you. And even though it's raining blessing, if you start letting the curse get back in your life, then he said it, you're nigh under cursing. And your end is to be burned. And it's also, it's also useless. Nobody, nobody has to go to hell. God did everything he could do to save you. I mean, think about it. He sent his only son. I have two sons, and I'm not willing to give any one of them up for one of you. But God had one son, and he sent that one son and let him be scourged and crucified and beat on and hanging on a cross said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He loved you that much. What shall you do with this Jesus which is called the Christ? That's the most important question that you'll ever answer. Have you, have you, see, I'm not talking about are you going to go to church? You can come to set free every Sunday and that ain't going to save you. I'm talking about in your heart, have you settled the question? 
what am I going to do with Jesus? Say, well, Pastor, what am I going to do with Jesus? Here's what you, you're going to do. You're going to repent. You're going to tell him I'm sorry for my sin. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to live eternity in punishment. And then you do what the Bible says. Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord. Listen, I asked my wife last night. We was talking about this, and I said, do you really I said, do we really believe that a dead man got up out of the grave? Do we really believe that he stepped on a cloud and was gone? Do you really believe that the spirit of an eternal God lives on the inside of you? <laughs> Do you know today that you got saved? Let me ask you again. Do you know the day and the place that you got saved? See, I don't buy into this stuff of, well, I was just always raised in church, and I just always know. I, I know the day and the place and the time and where I was at when God's. You, listen, how, how, can, how can the Spirit of God come and take up an abode in you and you not know it? I know I knelt down beside the bed. And ask God to come into my life, and I felt the weight of the world come off of me. I felt the sin. I felt the addiction. I felt everything in my life come off of me. And I knew. There I was with long hair and leaving that next day to take another road trip with that rock band and, and, and drugs stuck in my guitar case and, and all of that. And, and, but, but when I got up from that prayer, I knew I was changed, and I was saved, and I was different. And while I was down on my knees by that bedside, my name got rolled in the Lamb's Book of Life. And so I ask you again, do you know when that happened? Because if you can't remember that it happened, you might need to come down front and just lock that thing down again and make sure that you know that you're right with God. You can be like Pilate and try to wash that blood off of you all you want to. But you're dirty and you're bloody, and until you get washed in Jesus' blood, you're going to stay that way. You've got to come clean with God.